action and welcome everybody this is bmp weekly episode 206 it is 17th of april uh 2023 uh well we are recording the intro and the articles on 17th we actually recorded the interview a few days before on the previous week uh but that could happen no they 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 noticed the chains of clothes and all of that stuff you know i don't wear the same clothes every single day you probably don't you don't (laughs) <laughs> I've got 10 the same shirts, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, on the PMP Weekly, I always talk about the latest Microsoft faces to find. <laughs> and what we wear. And our articles, and what we wear, and the weather, and uh, anyway. Um, and <laughs> and we, we always have a visitor, and then we go through the weekly articles from Microsoft and community. This time, the visitor is... Mr. Spencer Harbour. Yes. Spence has been an MVP for like three decades, no, just kidding, uh, for a long, <laughs> long time. <laughs> and, for a long and time. And been around within the, within the community uh, since early, I don't even know when. Uh, but anyway. 2000s, I guess, 2000s, somewhere yeah, there. That's true. And it's true. And, and of course, nowadays, focus is more on Microsoft 365 and uh, the consulting on that side. And it's also closely involved on coordinating and and creating and delivering the European Collaboration Summit, which is happening on 20th to 24th of May. 22 to 24, right? 22 to 24 of May. Yes, that yeah. might be the case. I, sure, <laughs> whatever you say, whatever. <laughs> uh, my name is Sesu I'm a product manager in Microsoft 365 Platform Airways, and with me as a co-host is... Hey everybody, my name is Valik Mostegas and I am Cloud Developer Advocate for Microsoft 365 at Microsoft. Excellent. Let's jump actually directly into the interview with Spence and then we'll come back for the articles. Excellent. So welcome Spencer Harper. Um, I do not know actually what is your current company, so I'm not going to actually try to explain that. You'll do the intros. Spence, you've been on a show last time. We just double-checked that uh, on December 2020. So it's actually been quite a long time uh, since that and quite a few episodes as well in between. But um, you are still active in the community. You're organizing events and all of that stuff. But let's actually... It's not me trying to explain what you do. So let's let's turn it back to you. So who are you? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> well, thank, first of all, thanks for having me on the show again. Um, yeah, it was a long time ago um, in COVID standard time, I guess. Um, it's all, all sort of merges into one big chunk, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of what I'm doing, I, I'm basically working for ECS events at the moment. They're the company that is responsible for organizing a couple of big conferences in Europe and helping out. Um, other community activities in terms of in-person events. Um, In the the day job, if you will, um, I still basically work for myself and I do from time to time consulting, usually for the larger corporations um, in the Azure and Microsoft 365 space. It's a very sort of interesting time at the moment because the industry sort of is going through these peaks and troughs and I, I don't just do one thing. You know, I used to be known years ago, of course, for being a SharePoint person, which was even then sort of not entirely accurate. I did other sure. stuff as well. Um, and things have sort of come back a bit full circle there. I spent, if you think in the time since the last time we chatted, I've probably spent half of my time doing uh, consulting around uh, deployment for software as a service type solutions. So, you know, automation, um, quality assurance and so on also quite a bit of security and compliance of late 
um, seems to have become even more of a, of a sort of um, popular, if you will, activity. Yep. And then recently, um, particularly since um, I won't say the end of the pandemic, but since people sort of got back to to work effectively, um, there's been a significant uptake in those kind of customers needing more help with adoption, rollout of some of the new capabilities that perhaps the pandemic sort of forced their hand a little bit with. You know, they were maybe thinking about it or hedging their bets. And now, you know, with with a, a big increase in working from home, particularly for rem, um, sort of divisional offices and things like that, um, there is a much more sort of um, a much more demand for that side of things, which is interesting because, you know, three or four years ago, I was doing none of that stuff at all. I hadn't really, I mean, I'm using obviously Office 365 daily and I stay as much up to date with the, the technology as I can, but not really doing any real work on it until, yep. uh, you know, towards the, the sort of uh, the return to normal, if we want to call it that. doesn't feel very normal, of course, but um, a lot of it's companies... different, but yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. A lot of companies I mean, struggling with working from home, um, you know, in a general sense, um, even if they were doing it before, you know, it's for a lot more people now and... and um, you know, they, they're beginning to learn the, the pros and cons. And so that's quite a large chunk of it. The only thing that I wanted to ask you about, though, is like way back when you had this one article or was it series oh, wait, of wait, articles? Wait, 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 Taking you back, 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 back. way back. <laughs> yes, that, that's very much applicable. Um, you, you had series of article around uh, taming, if you will, the user profile service. Mm -hmm. is, yeah. that, is that still used a lot and have you done any work around that anytime lately or is it like yeah like that's way back when it's still i can answer on the first question of course from the cloud <laughs> perspective and the answer is yes it yeah. is used enormously <laughs> yeah i mean that was all very interesting situation actually came out of another conference um i'd done a lot of work with a thing called identity manager prior to sharepoint being uh, sort of using a cut down version of it um but yeah, I mean, the first question is, is, does that still get used? I presume so. I mean, it's not something I don't check the statistics very often, um, but I know, you know, I get the six monthly stats on email and it's still, you know, by far and away one of the, the, the most read. I get quite a few email questions about it still, which is weird, you know, um, <laughs> Get, There's a lot of on-premises use it still, yeah, so yeah. and subscription edition and all of that, so it does yeah. exist. So and um, you know the technology behind it uh, is still used, you know, for everybody's tenant. So that's still, yep. you know, I still get pinged quite a lot on that uh, in the background. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't really answer the questions because I don't remember that stuff. You know, I have to kind of go back and look it up. <laughs> and think, oh yeah, I vaguely remember something about this and, and so. Isn't, isn't that precisely why we blog? That's why the we videos. Wrote in the so, yeah, <laughs> we used to. Exactly. We used to blog, right? Yeah. Like because, like, well, true. When, when was the last time you put something on your blog? Yeah, indeed, that's something I've been very bad at. I keep intending to to write again, but it's difficult because um, the the level that I would would like to do it to, you know, it's a lot of work. You need people yeah. to review it and blah blah blah. And of course, the trend now is very much for videos for everything. In fact. The last thing I did, which was directly related to that, was um, 
would have been the last big conference before the pandemic. I did. I showed people how to use Azure AD to sign into on-prem SharePoint and do the profile sync and have everything work. Not a particularly difficult thing, um, but you know, as usual with SharePoint, there's a few little extra steps that if you miss out, everything kind of goes haywire. Um, particularly around the the, the images, the, the profile pictures. And so that I ended up basically doing, instead of writing it up, I just basically did the, recorded the session and stuck that on YouTube. And that I still get people asking me for the PowerShell for, which is quite amusing. Um, yep. I mean, it's not every day, but there's, you know, it shows that enough people, as Vesa mentioned, are still yep. on-prem, um, which has actually been a bit of a cascade of, questions the last few weeks with the 2013 release coming out of support has prompted people to, yep. you know, go, oh, blimey, we need to do something. Um, so, yeah, I still get questions on that. I also get a lot of questions on Workflow Manager and a few of the other sort of more esoteric um, aspects of the old SharePoint. You know, um, every so often, like once every six months, you'll get an email from somebody who wants to do um distributed cash or something like that, right? Now, we are recording this on Friday, 14th of, of March, April, and I'll explain in a second why I'm calling that out, because on Monday, 16th, no, that's 17th of April, um, hopefully I'm not spilling the beans and we'll cancel this, but we can actually publicly deprecate workflow, mm-hmm. and 2013 workflow from code, so yeah. from SharePoint Online. Deprecation doesn't mean that it's going to go immediately away and we cut it. No, no, not at all. So mm-hmm. deprecation means that we'll we'll basically say we're no longer investing on this technology. It's fully supported. If there's issues, we can jump in and fix it. But it will have announced life cycle and we're looking into shutting it down and people should be moving away from work, uh, workflow. But coming back on your workflow uh, comment there, uh, it's, it's actually kind of interesting to think about it, that the, the workflow which is still widely used was part of the SharePoint 2013. And yeah. now SharePoint 2013 is an end of life. And and it, it doesn't have the same relationship in a cloud, of course, because cloud is different. It's it's way more modern and modernized. But still it is a there is a certain level of an association. The baseline implementation was done back in 2010 or something like that yeah. for 2013. So it's interesting how to time loses its meaning in, in some of this stuff because it's clearly well implemented stuff still being used yeah i mean one of the things i come across more to the sort of speaking to the mid-market customer i guess you would call it where they they've got a they've got an on-prem environment and they committed to moving to or migrating i should say to uh to the cloud but they don't they don't always know what they've got there they know they've got a bunch of sites and libraries and documents and whatnot and so forth but it's not until they actually start doing it they realize oh yeah there's that one form that isn't very complicated but is really important and yes. it's you know it yes. was built by somebody who long since since left the organization and all those kind of things and it works and you know you've got to basically get them away from that older technology yep. legacy technology that, that's not going to work in the cloud or will go away and also convince them to spend some money on re-implementing it uh not changing the logic, but re-implementing it in the in the new in the new stack, and that can be quite yep. interesting. Yep. Uh, you know, classic consulting. It doesn't really matter what the technology is. I mean, you need to know about it, but you know, they're they're hiring you because you know that stuff. 
and it's sure. more about it's more about convincing them how to go about it and how not to waste too much money doing it as well which is yep. um yep. you know especially if it's um what we now call a low code solution you know built by a business analyst or um yep. something like that um usually the logic is not documented um and so yeah that's quite i, I don't do too much of that but it does crop up quite a lot uh, with yep. some of the smaller customers yeah um, another thing that I want to ask you, because you um, you mentioned that you work a lot with enterprise size orgs, right? Um, yeah. How do they, with the current pace of change and the, the the trends really to be, let's jump from one thing to another and there is new shiny thing, let's try that. How do they cope with that? And what are their strategies to try to maximize the revenue on their investments in the cloud and and benefit from the latest investments versus or trying to understand that and like build those practices, how to use it effectively mm-hmm. at scale? Yeah, it's a very uh, broad um, range of approaches and sort of um, what you might call maturity, right? If you think about the, the concept or think broadly about the concept of how, you know, cloud adoption maturity within the enterprise will vary greatly. Um, a lot of my traditional customers that I've been working with for, for donkey's years are actually quite far forward with that. You know, they've had center of excellences before, they've gone through similar transitions before, you know, even if it yep. was all on-prem before, they've gone from, you know, product X, they've moved from that to SharePoint, that was a big transition for them. They've moved into the idea of composite business applications, connecting to you know, legacy data sources and things like that. So, that, you know, some of those organizations are actually pretty competent at measuring their success and their, you know, where they choose to invest and also how cynical perhaps they might be about believing the latest, you know, the new bells and whistles, you know, of course. <laughs> at the moment, the classic example of that is the power platform, right? A very powerful and, um, you know. It's in the name. Offers, in the name. Yeah, so. offers an incredible range of, of opportunity. True. But at the same time, you know, if you if you go into it sort of feet first without really thinking it through, you're going to end up with a lot of the problems that you used to have with the previous approach. So yeah. some of the enterprises are, are a little more cynical than others. Now, there will also be enterprises who are a lot less mature. So, for example... Um, a few, I'm not going to name names, but a few of the large banks only just started moving to Office 365, basically the year before the pandemic. So they haven't really had a massive paradigm shift. They've had IT shifts, but moving from, you know, tin and metal to virtualization is not really a paradigm shift, you know, moving from on-prem, bunch of guys looking after, usually guys looking after servers and patching and, or not as the case maybe, to a software as a service is, you know, a huge, huge thing. And so for those, they still struggle with it. And generally speaking, as an industry, um, we are getting better, but we still don't give enough support in those areas for the bigger customers, particularly banks, military contractors, uh, government organizations i mean think about the uk with all the changes in legislation and everything that's been needed in the last four or five years most of those projects don't happen because there's this you know there's like an air gap between what the 
policy intent should deliver some kind of electronic uh, citizenship and the, the understanding of the people making the decisions, you know, there's an air gap there and the industry doesn't really fill that gap. And it's not the vendor's fault. The vendors are doing actually most of the good work here in terms of promoting uh, skills, you know, knowledge, etc. Yep. It's really the consulting side of it where it's kind of a bit of a, a fail because most of those organizations uh, are geared up to support the old way of doing things and they need to make the transition as well. Um, yep. And there's an age barrier. I mean, you know, we shouldn't shouldn't overlook that, that a lot of people in IT will have taken early retirement in the last five years. So there's a gap there as well in terms of experience. Um, yep. the skills is one thing, but it's, you know, for a big company to make a big shift, um, particularly in a line of business processing scenario where, you know, money, you know serious money is involved, um, you know, that's a long, a long battle and it's going to take, you know, a good two or three years to implement. Again, sort of reversing it back to the people who are much more mature they're actually going hell for leather with it. They're doing really well because they've already gone through it once or one and a half times. Right. They're much more agile and they can say, oh, well, yes, this is new features come available to us in Power BI. Okay, because we've got a solid platform, we can actually do that relatively quickly, be not that concerned if we don't get it perfect the first time, which is the other big benefit of the cloud, right? You can, yep. you can iterate. Iterate and iterate, yep. yep. Um, and they can they can power ahead, you know, and give and that gives them competitive advantage. Uh, another good example is the way the fintech industry has um, adopted, uh, you know, distributed ledger. Well, the the people who were successful with that were all the people who had you know got their sort of foundation correct, if you will, yeah. previously. And the people who struggled with it are the ones who you know are like, oh, what's Bitcoin, you know. Um, and they've got to get over that hurdle. So it's a mixed bag. Um, but I'm pleasantly surprised by most of my traditional customers. And it's nothing to do with me. It just so happens that I, I've known these companies for for far too long, actually. Um, that you know they're they're on the way, particularly with the productivity stuff. Um, yeah. The one thing that gets in the way of everybody is nervousness around security and compliance, because that was something that used to be able to be put in a we'll do it later pile. Yep. Now that's no longer appropriate, right? If you're an airline or an oil company and you get slammed by some some uh, information disclosure or indeed a, like a, a, a ransomware, you can't, you know, you don't have a leg to stand on. You can't, you can't say, oh, well, we were going to do that, but we didn't get around to it. So that's the thing that's putting the brakes on things. Uh, a little bit at the moment, uh, at least from my perspective. But even on that one, the cloud helps because some of the key um, uh, functionalities like identity management can be considered to be outsourced in certain level yeah. uh, for the provider. So therefore, you could argue that it's it's actually safer rather than every single company, all up at least on average, it's safer than, than individual companies basically investing to their own specialists and all of that. So... Yeah, very true. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind or really in any serious security consultant's mind that the cloud is far more secure 
um, because of that. You know, you're making a trust decision. You're outsourcing effectively not the not the risk management, but the outsourcing the implementation of the solution yeah. to, you know, Microsoft, Amazon, whoever. Um, uh, with, and it's also another interesting cycle, right? I mean, Azure now offers basically as part of the core platform automated web application vulnerability assessments. So if you if you turn that stuff on and you pay attention to it, you've immediately got a much stronger security baseline than you ever would have had with on-prem. I mean, I used yep. to before I did SharePoint, I worked for a security consultancy and we were trying to sell web, you know, the OWASP testing. And this was in 2001, 2002, when OWASP was first, you know, a thing. And it was, you know, testing for all the usual things, SQL injection, cross-site scripting, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Those vulnerabilities are still as important today as they were yep. then. But, yep. you know, platforms like Azure actually give you the ability to do that stuff and threat modeling, which before would all need to basically be manual or with yep. some very expensive third-party software. You know, and also we know that the vendors use that type of rigor in the in the creation of their own software as a service. Yeah. Yep. You know, so we can have confidence that if we're running stuff on uh, Azure, that there's a certain level of sort of inbuilt trust and solid security foundation. And the same would be true for people who build software as a service on Azure. You know, it's one of the reasons yep. to pick it, right? I mean. Yep. If you're if you're going to do a, an application and you've and you've got the choice, you know which what, what should our platform be? It's going to be what the dev capabilities are, True. what do our people True. know, and what's our baseline of the old-fashioned security, right? Confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Um, and the amount of stuff that Azure is now delivering in the in the security space is is amazing. Um, you know, if you put a dollar cost on what that would have cost for you to implement for your SharePoint on-prem farm back in, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 I mean, <laughs> the project would never happen, right? Let, yeah. Let's start with building the expertise and knowledge to even understand well, the scope, yeah. not to and, mention actually implementing that. And that's actually a really good kind of a reference on something which you said earlier, Spence, related on SharePoint deployments wasn't never about the SharePoint. It was actually about uh, all of the other things as well and, and Active Directory, which we still have. Now it's called Azure Active Directory. It was about the SQL, which we still have. It's Azure, SQL Azure. So, um, and optimizing those things rather than um, the, the classic example of, hey, you're, you're an MCM for SharePoint, so you can upload a document in Document Library. Well, it's a bit more complicated <laughs> than that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but still, uh, luckily, well, uh, uh, evolution moves forward and technology evolves and, and the abstraction layers in, in come in. And that changes, of course, the work what we do. Um, but based on the discussion what we just had, a really good example that the consulting still exists and there's still opportunities for consulting. It has just evolved to a different, let's say, abstraction layer again within the past decade. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it used to be... Um, quite common, particularly in the Microsoft space, that the, the traditional sort of IT pro would be worried that they wouldn't have any work. You know, well, I think yes. Uh, yes. whilst that was a reasonable concern to have, we've proven categorically that there's even more work now. Yes. And yes. that work is more value, it's more higher value, right? Um, 
it's not fiddling around creating DNS entries and, and making a mess of it, or it's not renewing an SSL certificate and yeah. making a mess of it. Although it's that, updating, that, that, updating that hosts files pretty, and pretty pretty often too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, it's fixing stuff in a host file mapping in the TCP <laughs> or whatever else. Uh, uh, or the, the, what was the, the TCP pipe system? The, what was it? Um, ah, the classic thing which killed me so many times in, in the, the, the is it, was it TCP pipe, uh, which basically was a security thing which you're trying to request in, a but you needed back. to go to the rich history. Loopback. Loop Loop yeah, loop and check. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but anyway, those who know, they know. Um, it's, those yeah. who don't, they have no idea. And, <laughs> and no it's good. Books. They don't there, have there, to. There, there, there is no <laughs> videos on TikTok to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't yes. give anybody any ideas. Yeah. <laughs> now, so, let's talk about, a bit about back on your our day job. Uh, we talked about the, the, the organization who uh, coordinates the European Collaboration Summit. Uh, what, what, what's the special thing about European Collaboration Summit? Like, I wouldn't know, but, you know, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, there's why quite a few... People, there's quite a, why would people need to go there in May? What is this? Yeah, <laughs> quite, a, quite a few special elements of the event that's coming up in uh, towards the end of May, 22nd to 24th of May in Dusseldorf. Um, basically, this is Europe's largest community event in the Microsoft 365 Teams space. And uh, this year we're celebrating the 10th edition, so it'll be the 10th show. It wasn't always called European Collaboration Summit. Originally it was um, the SharePoint and Project Conference Adriatics. I hope I'm getting that right. If I don't, I think it is. Yeah. Kill me, but it was something yeah. like that um, <laughs> in Zagreb, and then it moved to Germany, you know, and became the European Club Summit. And so that's it's going to be our 10th year. So we're going to do all the things that we normally do, great content, great speakers, tutorials, um, you know, basically the best networking um, available in Europe in a a large event, multi-day event, um, but also throw in a few surprises to celebrate the 10 years um, with the community. Uh, I think that's the the key differentiator, if you want to put it that way, of our event is it's very much a community event. We make a great effort to always have you know um, a group of people speaking for the first time that might not have done a large event before and kind of help them along with that um, and put a real focus on the networking activities um, in the exposition in the expo hall along with uh, you know a lot of sponsors who have been with us for 10 years as well as speakers and and um, you know we also keep the, the ticket price um, a level Quite reasonable. That is you yeah. know uh, accessible. I mean, and it's a difficult balancing act, uh, particularly since the since the pandemic. You know, everything's got more expensive. Um, obviously, in Europe, we're suffering with high inflation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But nonetheless, we still maintain that it's better to you know have it be reasonably priced to to enable people to come. Um, yeah. You know, travel restrictions notwithstanding. Um, and yeah, we have a community vibe. Um, there'll be quite a few surprises for the for the tenth anniversary birthday that we um, won't announce because they're surprises. But uh, a few little extra bits of fun that we haven't done before that we're busy, yeah. you know, in the background trying to get uh, all uh, together in time for next month. Um, great content, as I said. We we think we've got a good um, balance between. You know, big names, 
brand new speakers and community people, um, including quite a lot of people coming from Microsoft. Uh, good topic mix, you know, Teams, Viva, SharePoint, M365, security. Um, the event content has changed over the years. You know, that's one of the things that's followed the industry from being kind of what you might describe as pretty deep technically for a conference to be yep. now a bit more sort of uh, wide. We've got a lot of power platform material um, this year, um, as well as some some IT pro stuff. We even have a SharePoint server subscription edition uh, tutorial um, for yep. our, you know, for those customers who are still in that space. Um, yeah, so pretty broad, but kind of a, a little bit less technical than perhaps it would have been five or six years ago. Um, I think that's a general term, let's say, direction with the conferences as well. And it, it's not that it's marketing, but it's not necessarily like, okay, so in this session, I will configure you this thing. Rather, right. it's it's more on check. what does it actually mean? <laughs> what is the value out of it? And and yes. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the conference itself does have... Um, more or less a 50-50 mix between what you would maybe describe as sort of technical people who are only interested in the how does it work and all the rest of it, and then sort of the business decision maker being the other 50%. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, by definition, the content needs to be, you know, explaining what these new things are, what they're useful for, what they're not so good for, what the value is, you know, that side of thing, you know, more than just, as you say, how to configure something or or something like that. Um, yep. Yeah, we also have a, another conference, which is actually in December, which is the European Cloud Summit. And that one's a bit more technical because that's yep. more about Azure and, and those kind of things. So that's our yep. sister event, if you will. Now, from a timing perspective, um, how does people know more about the European Collaboration Summit, where they absolutely should because again, reasonable prices, awesome speakers, a lot of lot of cool stuff. Where do you find yeah. more information? So the best place to go to is www.collabsummit.eu. That'll take you to the main uh, website, which has got the you know you can buy the ticket there, 450 euros at the moment, and um, you know you've got all the agenda and all this information there on how to get there, where it is, and so on. So a very nice venue in Düsseldorf, all very fancy, and. Yep. Um, yeah, all the information is on that website. You can obviously also find us uh, as Collab Summit on Twitter. And uh, there's a Facebook community as well. Just type uh, European Collaboration Summit um, community and you will find that there. Cool. Cool. I, I guess this is it then for now. Right, Valdek? Any any right. thoughts on your side? Almost weekend. It's, your your uh, microphone we're is... recording that, is, okay. it's <laughs> half past three half past four p.m so it's almost we can no more thoughts at yep. this moment <laughs> yes that's true now i i guess that sums up the thing for now then uh, thank you spence thank you for joining uh good to catch up uh, good to actually see you in person pretty soon as well so it's been well, again, wow. Wow. So. Yeah. Like for me i think it was at least three four years maybe even more yeah true yeah, thanks very much for having me on, guys. And yeah, as, as you say, I'm very much looking forward to being together again. That's probably one of the best things about the event from my perspective. It's a lot of work, but it's it's great to see all of the usual suspects and some new people as well. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And anybody who's watching, please join us. Um, absolutely. See and, and you in Düsseldorf. 
see you in Düsseldorf. Absolutely. But cool. Uh, after this, we'll jump on the recording the articles. I would like to be clear within the within the podcast and video show. So we'll let's move there with Valdek. Thank you, Spence. Cheers, guys. Bye. Excellent. Thank you, Spence, uh, for the <laughs> for the interview. Really, really cool to catch up and and looking forward to actually seeing you in person in uh, in Düsseldorf uh, in late May uh, for sure. So I guess that's that's where we will be. Well, you will be there as well, Waldek, right? Yeah, it's going to be my first event since three years, four years. I don't know. Time yeah. flies. It's I haven't seen everybody in person for a long time. Yeah, and. This week, as we're recording this, uh, it is also MVP Summit Week. So MVPs are basically our NDA, under NDA, get to know things. And and some of the MVPs are flying over to Seattle. And yeah, it feels so bad <laughs> to watch them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I've got remember, like seeing everybody now, like being in the Space Needle, Bellevue Mall, just walking down to like, ah, oh, good memories. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah, I had a chance to attend a few of these in the past. And while I haven't been MVP for two and a half years now, it's still, you know, friendships that I've made with folks over the years, yep. uh, people I met. It's like, yeah, like these are friends for life, basically. Absolutely. Well, I've never been an MVP, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, you've been always on the other side. So. <laughs> always. Always. <laughs> yes. Like you've never done anything else, right? Like, That's you know, true. When you were five, you were, you know. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> oh, you're getting all emotional now. <laughs> it's not me. It's just dust. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's just uh, allergies and pollen. Anyway, so let's jump mm. on the weekly articles. Uh <laughs> Let's jump on the weekly articles um, and then uh, get a uh, crap. What is it? Wrap up. There we go. So Mondays. Mondays are so hard. So let me share my screen. Okay, let's start with the articles uh, from Microsoft side uh, in the SharePoint uh, blog. We had a request external files into our SharePoint document libraries. Sounds a bit strange, but it actually makes a lot of sense when you start actually looking into the details and capabilities. So basic idea here is that you are sending a link to your partners or customers or somebody to actually submit or upload their files to a specific location. Um, so, And they will not see the other files in that location. So it's basically requesting files, requesting an upload uh, to a specific set of uh, location. Functionality itself has existed already uh, in OneDrive in the past, but now it's actually getting rolled out also to SharePoint, which makes a lot of sense because you can think about extra scenarios, so you can think about projects. Project and, teams, and yeah, yeah, definitely. So. It's really cool. Yep, absolutely. And Mark Rashman has a, a great video related on this one. Uh, it's actually been watched quite a lot already within a week, um, and it really shows up. So the the, uh, the functionality, the introductions, and also, of course shows uh, one by one how does it actually work in practice. So really, really cool. Good job. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Awesome. Mark nine project team writer and screen. So does that mean that we've got nine marks? Is that how yes, Mark yeah, gets to do so that's much? That's how okay. he scales. That's true. Yes, that's his scalability pattern. So, <sighs> sorry, spilling the beans. Now let's then move in here uh, on the Microsoft 365 platform blog. Um, uh, Alexis Ginzelin uh, had a nice blog post around deploy your ChatGPT based model securely using Microsoft Teams, Power Virtual Agent, and Azure Open AI. So basically combining those three to a functioning uh, 
solution. And he walks through the different scenarios, what do we need to do and configurations, and then basically have a bot which you can interact with um, uh, within Teams. Really, really cool stuff. So awesome, yes. awesome technology demo. Then we had uh, enabling billing for Microsoft Teams APIs in Microsoft Graph. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Doesn't follow. Exactly. So on Microsoft Graph, there are some APIs. And in this case, we're talking about um, the APIs for Microsoft Teams that uh, are paid, right? So in order to use those APIs, you need to have additional license. Uh, and this article goes into uh, depth about like how do you enable that? What do you need to have in place? How do you estimate the cost and so forth and so on? So if you look into um, the ability to use these APIs in the apps that, or in apps that, that you build, definitely check out this article because it will answer most common uh, questions that you might have on the topic. Yeah, and just to call out also the fact that Sure, this doesn't mean that all of the graph APIs would be paid at some point, not at all. That's not the intention here. Um, but high cost or high, how would I put it, um, APIs which are touching a lot of data um, uh, might actually have a cost associated to them. Uh, so, And that's kind of the direction where we're heading in the future. So, but baseline functionality is what you can do in UX and, and as a UI clicking through things, those are all intended to be, uh, of course, available for without a cost. So now uh, in here, uh, Kelly Bowen McCombs had a blog post update related on Microsoft 365 developer program, uh, just a, a updates on the renewal model. And this is the great program where you can get a free Microsoft 365 tenant, uh, which automatically renews in every single 90 days, as long as you're using it for a developer usage. Um, and there has been some adjustments um, and how it actually works in the past. Now, there was also a blog post uh, from Marcel Ferrari around create a custom connection for your web API from within Visual Studio. Why, 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 what? This what? is really, really cool, right? It so is. imagine that you are LLB or you are, you are enterprise and you have a custom API to do things. You can now really easily build a connector for Power Platform for your yep. API so that your power apps and power automated flows that, that you built can connect easily to that API, as opposed to having, you know, uh, manually build HTTP requests, parse responses, and all that, like, you don't need to do any of that. You can build a connector that yep. will kind of expose the data shape uh, to power apps and power automated flows and allow users to really easily tap into anything that that API can do. So this is a really, really great way. And, as, and especially the fact that we can do it so easily because we yep. could build the connectors in the past, but it was so much more complex. And, and here now, like as, if you are a dev and you already build the API, why not immediately offer the connector too, just to make yep. it really easily to use the API across the org? Absolutely. This is really, Absolutely. really great. Really, really cool stuff, and 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 great that they're investing on making these things even easier in the future. There's a huge amount of connectors already available, but of course, if it's an enterprise API, it's your own custom it's not API. In a store, right? It's not a, not in a store, so absolutely. Now on the PMP blog, uh, there was a, a nice blog post from uh, Louis Fries related on Teams Toolkit Cloud Skills Challenge, which is uh, a program initiative running from April 12th to April 26th, so two weeks. And basically here, get to learn to use and build uh, stuff using the Microsoft Teams Toolkit. And a lot of other people are actually involved uh, in this and, and helping you to get started as well. So really, really cool. 
Then there was a blog post uh, from Dan Toft dealing with the 5K item limit in SharePoint APIs. What is the 5K item limit? Exactly. Right. So way back when already, um, we had this limit where you would be able to show at most 5,000 items in the list. Why? Because showing more is, one, doesn't make any sense, and two, it's just painfully slow because it's a lot of data to put on a single screen. So with yep. that, there are multiple ways to go about, like, how do you page data? How do you ensure that um, the data is retrieved in chunks and so forth and so on? And there are, are a lot of different approaches you can take to stay under the limit and basically build apps that perform well. And that, in his article, touches on a few things that you can do specifically around building views like how can you yep. organize views so that these views will not exceed the uh limit okay limit. Uh, historical thing I, I i remember my career with before microsoft writing code for a one uh invoice automation software and we created this html whatever picker as a pop-up um at that point pop-ups were kind of fine to use and as we loaded uh, dynamically data in database we never actually considered until after a while that what is the page load and page uh, page size? Because scale, we basically, huh? yes, whenever there was actually thousands of items in a database, we, we loaded them all, and then we only showed uh, a one page and another page. But when I click the next, 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 it was super fast. However, the you can only load, imagine the impact. Yeah. The first load and the page size grew to be like megabytes and megabytes and well, megabytes because it was dynamic HTML. After the app was deployed to production and you moved that, on to another unfortunately, project. Unfortunately, <laughs> quite often, yes, happens. So, unfortunately, uh, right. Yes, the scale, scale, always test for scale. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but it's a good example of a well. Why would you wanna? Why would you need to show more than five thousand items in a single view? That's impossible. But the human mind would be like, uh, what? <laughs> well, because then you can build a chart that aggregates all of them client side. No, no, don't do that. No. <laughs> now, uh, Alex McLachlan had a blog post to uh, automatically generate flow, workflow, and business rule documentation. So basically, a uh, really cool uh, uh, scenario. Uh, on automatic uh, file uh, documentation creation um, based on or automatically using the, the Power Automate and Flow and all of that stuff. A lot of, lot of cool stuff, actually. Wow, and then using a lot of XML in, in there to yep. parse. And... XSLT, yeah, XML, yeah. And, oh, but yeah. then you are able to output basically the documentation automatically, which yeah, is yeah. really, really cool. Awesome stuff. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant, and thank you for sharing, Alex, on that one. We also had a blog post from Sohil Bhala around Connect Power Virtual Agent TeamSpot with Azure DevOps. A lot of fancy words. What does that mean? Exactly. So imagine that you want to build a simple bot for Teams, right, using PVA, and you want the bot to do something in uh, DevOps. So maybe react to um, item changes, react to builds, trigger builds, any kind of work that you might want to do in DevOps. This is how you would approach it. So this is a great yep. example of a simple bot that probably do, do, doesn't even, well, it doesn't involve any code, depending how do you think about code, right? But it's yep. not, it doesn't require you to, uh, for example, program in C-sharp, use the bot framework and all of that, right? Instead, you can more easily set things up. And for many things, uh, maybe especially around like you personally being or trying to work more efficiently or maybe even within your team, right? Building something for your team only, that might be good enough. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Then we had an update on CLI for Microsoft 365 6.6 version. Uh, what's new? 
Yeah, so it was a release that, that is really small. The main thing is that we released support for SPFX 117.1, which uh, we released a few days before that. So that was probably the biggest, the biggest uh, change. And another yeah. cool thing that we've done, we've worked with the Mendable team, which is a service, a SaaS service that allows you to infuse AI over your docs. So, you know, all these yeah. chat GPT-like uh, abilities. So now when you go to our docs in CLI, you will be able to ask chatbot, how do I do X? What do I need? So as opposed to you having to know the names of a command or something, you can ask AI to give you answer, to give you more idea about what is it that you need. So we're really excited about that. And we can't wait to hear, how does it work? Does that work? Where can we improve? So it's really, really cool thing that we added to our docs and we're we're working also on the ability to bring that to terminal. So even in command line, you will still be able to say, hey, I, I can I do X with CLI? And I don't even yep. know how. I don't know if there's a command even for that. So I just want to ask, as opposed to having to go to our docs and brush through all of them, because it's a lot. And we keep adding things. So as the docs grow, it's harder and harder to find the right thing. So we hope that AI will be that ability that makes it easier for folks to find out and to learn about what we have to offer. Yep, that that's a really cool scenario. We should actually have a look on how do we do this for the other projects as well, because it, it would actually help people to find the documentation, like thinking, of course, PMP PowerShell is a great example uh, on, on where this would be P super useful. Like, imagine that we could do that PNP all up. True, that that as well. Yes, all absolutely. Tooling. Like I don't, absolutely. I, I don't even know that there is PowerShell or community. Yeah, I don't even know calls. how like, to exactly, exactly. exactly. How That's do true. I with I'm everything into... that, that 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 we expose? How do I do yeah. X? That's true. That is true. That's actually really really cool. Then we had a blog post uh, from Rashmi Oklu uh, on deploying and installing SharePoint framework solutions using PMP PowerShell to hub side and associated sites, um, and and basically on automation to make that deployment to happen uh, specifically to a subset of sites rather than doing that in a tenant uh, level. There's advantages and disadvantages and scenarios for both of them. And then the PowerShell is basically scanning through all of the individual sites within a hub site and then associating uh, the, the application to them. So really, really cool as well. Thank you, Rashmi, on that one. We also had a new blog post uh, from uh, Marcus Miller Marcus has been really, really, really active um, on configure Teams application with Azure App Configuration. So basically, Azure App Configuration dynamically configuring Teams application. Good way of saying that? Yes, which is basically re exactly the same. <laughs> the words in the title, yeah. So basically, in Azure, you have the ability to decouple the config of your app from yep. the actual code, right? And yep. how you can use that ability to store all kinds of keywords and config settings and URLs that you've got uh, separately from the app and then bring it to your app. So how yep. to to use these two in into one. So this is a really great scenario or a great way to make to show how to make use of the latest abilities that we expose on Azure in your Teams apps. Absolutely, absolutely. Really, really cool stuff. Thank you, uh, Marcus, on that one. Now, uh, there was also a blog post from Casper uh, Larsen. Casper, um, you're still missing your name from your blog, um, and and, and you, you're missing your name from the YouTube channel as well. It would be good to have it in there, because if somebody finds something cool, what you've done, they don't know who you are. Now, um, 
But uh, on this one, uh, new videos on YouTube, useful tools when working with search and, and basically talking about the different tools and they and he is releasing uh, he's releasing uh, new videos um, upcoming as well. So right now, the, the latest video is using the SP editor. SP editor is something what uh, Tommy, 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 uh, Tommy. Tommy Tavela, Tommy Tavela has actually done an extension for Chrome and, and for Edge, uh, which actually increases the productivity of the developer. So, and how that can be used. And Casper is showing how that can be used then for the benefit of search uh, troubleshooting. Now, we also had a blog post from Mikael Mallet uh, around PMP Power. A lot of PMP Power. Why is everybody doing scripting? What's with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, for one, it's a very efficient way to one yes. of things that you want to do one, but you want to do, do, it, do them in a repeatable way so that in production, sure. you don't need to build a document that you need to like walk through and write down every step. Like, no, just run the script. I run it. Yep. It works. Run it here, and then people can test it, and we run it in production and not to like... Yeah, now I need to find to, to follow the same ten ten pages of uh, steps. Like, yeah. Yep. So yep. makes perfect sense. Now, in PMP PowerShell officially is not uh, supported anymore for on-prem. Uh, but what but uh, Michael is showing here how to use the, the or how to overcome that setting uh, by using clever clever way of using CSAM uh, client side object model um, uh, on setting the context and voila it actually does work in on premises uh, so so why isn't it for supported for on premises it's simply resourcing challenge uh, to keep on expanding and expanding and growing and all of that stuff so and limiting challenges as well because a lot of the scenarios are not actually available within on-prem now uh marcin uh from uh staff base uh explicitly called me out related on this blog post um basically i'm doing yeah. this thing that, that i'm not allowed to do yes exactly so <laughs> We're doing this thing which which is not supported. So, but how cool is that? But basically, uh, Marcin and and they've been really working on optimizing performance um, on the on handling things. And then basically, he's calling out here an alternative ways of doing uh, authentication and token handling. However, um, he is and they're using an internal a namespace, and this is obviously not intended to be used by a third party. But um, you can you we cannot block usage of this APIs because it's impossible to do that uh, for, from third parties. So if somebody would be doing this, it's on their own own responsibility. Uh, so we cannot help and resolve issues and potential issues related on that. And by the way, some of like these APIs might go away as well. Now, will they? Different discussion. But again, if it's not intended for third party, uh, we can change that anytime. Now, Daryl and Daniel had a latest uh, message in their show on collaborative meeting notes and intelligent recap. Oh, that's actually the most, let's say, fancy title of the announcements with Stable Culture. There's other announcements within the last week as well. So a lot of, lot of cool stuff again. Uh, great podcast to listen. Now, a uh, lot of SPFX stuff as well. Uh, so, Xiao, uh, Livia, Xiao, ha. See, yeah, yeah, see, yeah, you're see, getting better see. at this. Only took you four years, but hey, you're improving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Had a blog post on building a timeline component with SPFX uh, SharePoint framework. Um, that's actually really, really cool uh, looking application, which he has actually created using then SPFX, BMP, uh, JS, and all of that. And of course, that works in, in SharePoint on, or in Teams or in Outlook or in Office 365 uh, as well. In this case scenario is actually showing that in Teams, really, really cool stuff as well, and referencing some of the helper 
videos which he has actually used. So really, really cool. Thank cool. you for sharing. And then uh, Kunchi Sangani had a really cool blog post. Exactly, about extending Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy using custom plugins, right? So Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy is a tool that, that you can use to simulate some of the elusive errors on APIs, like uh, rate limiting, throttling, and it goes beyond uh, just uh, mocks, right? Because like with mocks, what you get is when you call an API, you always get back the same mock. Whereas here, you can simulate actually the uh, things like, uh, well, the error might be there or might not be there. And when you have a uh, rate limiting, you can you actually stay under the limit? And so there are quite a few things that you can do in a really easy way with the Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy. And, it, and another thing is, you can also build a custom plugin that plugs into the kind of the request there and the response pipe and with that you can you can do your logic to i don't know maybe your company has a guidance regarding how you call apis maybe you want to check for things like uh, do you issue the same call too frequently maybe you want to do for things like caching maybe i don't know whatever ideas you might have but the cool thing is you can build a plugin that represent behaviors that you want to test and add them to the tool so that it can serve specific purposes relevant to your uh, scenarios. Yep, absolutely. Really, really cool stuff. Now, on the video side, uh, Veronique Langel had a PHP PowerShell v2. What has changed? Be careful which shell you're on. So basically, um, there's a new version of PMP PowerShell uh, 2.1, actually, because of uh, complica complications <laughs> on the release. Uh, but it's basically version two, uh, 2x version of PMP PowerShell. Um, and she's showing out uh, what has changed, what are the improvements, and all of that. Really, really cool. Thank you, Veronique, for that video. Awesome stuff. And then uh, we, uh, PMP, uh, PMP. The PMP Paolo. Paolo. Yeah, PMP Paolo. PLC Tech Bytes, Paolo Pialorsi had an episode 245 handling bicep templates and GitHub actions. Uh, so again, how can we automate all the, uh, doing DevOps, uh, combining with GitHub actions and then bicep templates? Actually, really, really cool stuff. So. Yes. Um, and then Shane Young had a, a, a new video related on the barcode reader Getting control. barcodes from a bottle of wine. Yes. Oh, <laughs> why not? That's just an example. So, but basically there is a barcode reader control, uh, which will then uh, enable like more mobile scenario, mobile, uh, just scanning those barcodes directly from mobile uh, camera, which is really, really cool. So make, yeah. it makes things super, super and easy. And I mean, you can apply it to anything, right? Like anything from retail to invoices, scanning, yes. everything that has a barcode and for which in the past, you would need to build quite complex stuff to have that, you know, image recognition, barcode recognition. Like now it's just a thing you add to Power App and it just works. So it's yep. minutes Absolutely. of work to build that ability and to attach it to a business. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, really, really cool. Uh, and then uh, April Dunham had a new blog post uh, related on Azure uh, AI Builder, Azure Open AI. So basically, adding the Power GPT to your Power Platform solution. That's actually pretty, pretty cool. So it's awesome that we're getting there, and more and more we have the APIs and integrations and opportunities available. So super, super, super cool. So thank you, April, on that one. Cool. That's it for now. Anything interesting happening this week? Always, always, always. We are 
concoding, I guess that is the right word. Uh, new plan for a, for a new thing. So stay tuned for more updates. Uh, first things first. Uh, this week there is the MVP summit for those who attend. Um, in a bit less than a month there is build, and at the same time there will be the European collaborations summit. So kind of it starts coming close to the time to prep. For the thing yep. that we are supposed to do in there, uh, I still haven't booked the the trip, so I need to do that first. <laughs> uh, um, what else is there? Um, yeah, we're working on new things for Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy for CLI. Um, yeah, it's just a bunch of you know regular work doing more and more things. How about you? Yep. Uh, yeah, the prepping of the conferences is, is by far the number one thing. And of course, MVP Summit, uh, I'm going to be moderating a lot of the sessions uh, virtually. Uh, so basically hanging on the on the line and making sure that the, the remotely joined people are feeling welcome at all. So yeah. I, I guess that's one way of saying that. Um, so the MVP Summit is NDA conference happening this week. We talked about it in, when we started. Uh, and, and some of the, it will be a hybrid setup so the people can actually join remotely as well. And there's quite a few sessions. Um, it's also a cool way of catching up on latest what's coming across the stack. Um, and then a lot of those announcements will be happening in Microsoft 365 conference as well, which is within two weeks, actually. Two weeks from exactly. now, there's you a pre-day. You will be going to Vegas, back yes. in Vegas. Yeah. Yes, that's very exciting. <laughs> the sheer joy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's 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 fine. It's it's okay. But I the Vegas as a city, um, yeah, no, no, not for me. Uh, uh, I mean, it's fun to be. It's it's something you have to see at least once in your life. But once true. you've been there, you're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it's there. quite artificial, and it's yeah, it's it's. But it's the, the good thing about that one is, of course, seeing uh, seeing a lot of friends and and, and colleagues oh, as yeah. well. So that's going to be helpful. Well, but yeah, for 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 that, you don't even need to leave premises of the that is, venue. That is that is you can true. Stay that's within true. the venue. And you don't need to get exposed yeah. to anything that's going on outside yeah. of it. If you yeah. if if that that is your thing, right? Because like, still, yeah. there are folks who love to be able to go to shows and other things. Perfectly fine if that's your thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Everybody should be doing whatever they. Yeah, absolutely. And but anyway, you should actually join if you come into Las Vegas. Say hi. Uh, I will be there uh, for the whole week as well. Somewhere, so, somewhere, <laughs> hiding in a closet, <laughs> hiding in plain sight. <laughs> <laughs> no, should be good. We do have two pre-day workshops and then quite a few sessions. And I'm also helping on a keynote uh, for one of the, a few of the keynotes actually in there. So it should be good. Anyway, I guess that's it for this week. And uh, thank you, Spence, uh, for joining and, and having a great discussion. Good to catch up. Thank you, Waldek. Great to catch up. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be back. We'll be Next back week. within a week. Yes. Cheers. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.